I think I was afraid of using my voice because I was afraid to accept that I had lung cancer. But if we want to have the best care, we need to talk. We need to ask. And we need to be assertive. Speaking up doesn't need to be daunting. Consider gathering additional information from credible patient organizations, preparing questions you want to ask your doctor, taking notes at your next appointment, and asking about biomarker testing. Steps like these can potentially lead to care that is more focused on your needs. We have to be assertive, even though it's hard when you are fighting for your life. Visit bit.ly slash soundup for lung cancer for links to resources and to learn more about SoundUp, a patient-inspired, community-led campaign supported by Novartis to empower people affected by lung cancer. Jeep Freedom Days are here, where right now, well-qualified returning FCA lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2022 Grand Cherokee WK Laredo E4x4 for $369 a month for 36 months with $3,799 due at signing. Tax title license extra. No security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution, a lease across or capital. Lessee is responsible for termination fees. Current lease must end by 7-3-23. Extra charge for miles over 30000 Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 7 Jeep is a registered trademark. What's up? I'm in the office, Avi. You cannot look at that screen and tell me you are not massively jealous right now. You are a jelly donut. You are a big fat jelly donut and you know it. Mr. What is up? Representing the 313. Do we have any people from Detroit watching today? If so, show your love for the Motor City, our favorite city in America. Base of actually headquarters of Benzinga for the global operations of Benzinga. Check us out. Look, Javi <laughs> hyping up the, the 313, man. We got to get that on tape. Aaron Thomas, get that on tape for Javier Haas hyping up Detroit. That was awesome. Javi, my Argentinian action figure best friend. What is going on? You're not at home. You're in Colombia. What are you doing in Colombia? Yes, sir, look at the view. Oh, okay. Make What's us that? jealous. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just the usual. Just some research, conferences, speaking. Again. Oh, just, just the normal. Just being... The coolest person in cannabis. It's fine. Isn't it crazy that this is a job, that this has been my job for the past eight years, just gallivanting around the world, all expenses paid, talking weed? Like, for real. You know, if anybody has earned it, though, it's you. Like, you have built a massive network in this industry. There's not a single person in cannabis who doesn't know you. If you don't know Javier Haas, I'm actually interested. Drop a one in the chat now. Let us know if you don't know Javier Haas, and we can give you a little enlighten a bit about everything you do here. Uh, Benzinga.com slash cannabis is a quick summary of it. All the news comes from Javier and his team every day. 40, 50 articles a day, right, Javi? Probably 40, and all of it is all the work is done by the, the amazing team that we oh, have. They're, they're incredible. Okay, Nina, Yelena, Nico, Lara, Natan, um, Vuk. Uh, wait, I'm, I'm Joanna. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting probably some. I know. Well, they're all awesome. And we got off on a Detroit and Benzinga tangent because of. Here I am. I'm hanging out in Detroit, and the sound is way better than in my house. <laughs> I'm pumped about it. But Javier, we're here to talk about cannabis. If you've never watched Cannabis Insider, we bring on the coolest, the best executives to interview them on this show twice a week. Thrilled to do it with my best friend, Javi. But let's talk about some news first. We can't not have Javier here and not talk about cannabis news. Uh, Javier, floor is yours, man. Yes, sir. First off, we have some news out of a New York stock exchange traded company, Scott's Miracle Grow, SMG. They appointed uh, Brian Sandoval to a board of directors. If you don't know 
Brian Sandoval is. He's the ex-governor of Nevada. Very cool Ooh. stuff. I, I like people from the from the politics and policy world getting to cannabis. Uh, I know some people will argue, oh, it's all about the money. And um, it might be. It might not be. Nevada has been pro-cannabis. What, how does this help? Like, How does this help Scott's Miracle Grow? I, I'm curious. Like, I mean, the, the political side, yeah. how does that benefit an ancillary grow operation and like hydroponics company so here's the thing right the fact that scott's miracle grow doesn't touch the plan doesn't mean that it wouldn't benefit hugely from legalization right the fact as the industry grows there's more demand for its products right and you always can use a good you know person from the politics world or policy world you know lobbying for you uh, facilitating connections with the with with other Lobby. policy makers mm -hmm. right so it's it, it never hurts right it, it can't hurt right and, and we similar you know acreage has john boehner we know a bunch of, of, of different True. groups who lobby in washington our good friend brady cobb is doing the good work there as well so Peter Franco, wait, I'm sorry, Javier. Uh, awesome, awesome breakdown. Honestly, you answered my question beautifully. But I want to answer Peter Franco in the chat. Who is Javier? Why so hyped on Detroit? All right, so if you Google cannabis journalists, Javier is going to come up. He is one of the most well-known journalists in the cannabis industry, and he sheds his light on this industry twice a week with me every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. I've smoked the Boehner butt. All right, Lord Byron. All right, Tiny Pie Media, Elliot at the big desk. I'm telling you, Aaron, Aaron Thomas has got to send me an anchor desk now. I mean, it's got to happen. If you don't see my, my setup at home upgraded massively over the next two weeks, it is strictly Aaron's fault. All right, <laughs> we're going to keep that growing, though. Let's keep going. Hey, what do you think about Montrez Harrell, NBA player for the Charlotte Hornets, uh, gets arrested in Kentucky? My home state of Kentucky gets pulled over at a traffic stop carrying look, three pounds of weed. Wow. I mean, look, I, look here's what I'm going to say. We've been talking and talking and talking about how Russia sack sucks uh, and what they're doing to, to, to Brittany Griner. We have Joe Biden calling for Brittany Griner's you know, liberation, and then we have this. For what? Mm -hmm. Three grams of weed? Well, it, it, three three pounds. Three pounds of weed. <laughs> so Kentucky state law is anything from eight ounces to five pounds of weed is punishable by one to five years in prison and one to $10,000 fine. Uh, does he pay the fine? Probably maximum fine. I do not think he does prison time, mainly because Governor Andy Bashir of Kentucky uh, is a Democrat, and he's massively um, pro-marijuana, especially pro-medical marijuana. So do I think Montrezl Harrell really does any jail time? I, I just don't foresee that happening. But that being said, you know, this is an issue for him to be pulled over at all for the smell of weed. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there are states that are, are already banning that, right? They're telling police, okay, like the smell of weed is not, you know, sufficient cost for a, a search, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Javi, let's keep it rolling, man. What did you think of Fire and Flowers earnings? FFLWF on the OTC. Uh, they reported revenues decrease 4% sequentially. Um, retail revenue specifically has me worried, but hi-fi revenue looking good. So kind of a mixed bag for me. Do you have any thoughts there? <laughs> He's like, nah. Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I mean, earnings, they come and go. Uh, I, I do see them improving slowly in the industry as a whole this has not been the best of quarters to be honest right true 
Yeah, um, Q, Q1 hasn't been great. It hasn't all. been great. Hey, give us give us a quick rundown before we jump to our guest, assuming he's on, Aaron. Uh, he, he's on? All right, cool. So, <laughs> Javi, give us a quick, like, two minutes uh, of fast, fast fire. Before that, I have one question for you. Did you Ooh, see me. the exchange between Elon Musk and her friend Doug Drysdale, who's the CEO of Cybin, a psychedelic CYBN? Exactly. I would imagine it was friendly. It was Am very I wrong. Yeah, and, I would imagine it's friendly, but tell me about it. Elon Musk ended up saying psychedelics and MDMA can make a real difference to mental health, especially for extreme depression and PTSD. We should take see that. this seriously. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love that. And I would imagine Doug Drysdale responded very positively, considering that's what he does. That You're muted. But that's CYBN on the NASDAQ, by the way, for anybody who's looking at tickers right now. Cybin. Yes, sir. Some other quick news items. Tuatara Capital, um, uh, the shareholders of Tuatara Capital Acquisition Corporation, that is TCAC on NASDAQ, approved the combination with SpringBig. Uh, SpringBig wow. is a that does marketing cannabis very interestingly started with 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 like text sms just, yeah not just marketing loyalty marketing mm-hmm. like that's a that's a big big uh supportive aspect of this industry that in my opinion is not talked about enough so spring big really being the first major loyalty marketing pr- platform that goes public is there another one not to my knowledge uh but, i don't think so i mean there's actually maybe a high tide Big piece of news out of Philo, which is another company involved in, in this sector of the industry, a Benzinga exclusive published today. A Philo will acquire 916, which is an interactive retail display network that delivers high-impact digital experience in physical retail locations. Hashtag conspiracy theory right here, Javi. They looked at Weed Maps acquiring Enlighten, and they were like, exactly. not so fast. <laughs> like they, they absolutely... Like I'm sure this has been in talks for a long time, but you it can't tell me that this isn't something. That the, re- that. the dispensaries work, right? I, I always ask myself, like, are they that valuable? And it seems like they do. They convert a lot into sales. They drive a purchase decisions, right? And a lot of the especially right now, cannabis are made at the dispensary level. You don't always arrive at the dispensary knowing what you want. In fact, most of the time, most people arrive at the dispensary not quite sure of what they want. They might uh, that's very true. Well, and you know? keep in mind, in some states, you it's still very difficult to, like medical specific states, I should say, it's still difficult to get like cannabis, even if they are medically approved. They have to go through quite a process in dispensary. So, uh, you know, maximizing revenue in the state of Florida, uh, in in getting the loyalty to each of these clinics and each of these dispensaries is still something that these businesses have to look at, like True Leaf, like Fluent. Like um, parallel. I, I mean, there's several we could name here. Air Wellness. Regardless, Javier, we may get to some more news items later. Drop your cannabis stocks in the chat to get our opinions and thoughts on what they're doing right now. We have plenty of those. I can guarantee you that. But we have an awesome interview for you coming up right now. We have the CEO of Riv Capital, that is OTC listed, CNPOF, Mark Sims. Aaron Thomas, let's bring him up, man. There he is. Mr. Sims, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? You guys were having a lot of fun while I was sitting in the backstage, so 
That's awesome. <laughs> I hope you weren't judging us too much. Who are these fools talking about? No, I like Javi, Javi shot in Detroit. I'm in, I'm in uh, Cleveland. Uh, hey, born, born and bred in cool. Cleveland, but I went to uh, school in Ann Arbor. So I'm a Ooh. affinity for uh, Michigan. We appreciate it. We got a lot of U of M grads that uh, work here in the office of Ben Zinga. So if you're ever up this way, let us know. And that goes for any of our viewers. If you're ever in Detroit, CannabisHourBenzinga.com, reach out. But Mark, let's start with you, my friend. Talk to us about Riv Capital. Sure. Yeah. No, uh, super excited. Joined Riv Capital about a little over two months ago. Um, My kind of moving over coincided with our acquisition and really kind of the um, the first transaction that Riv did as they pivoted to getting into the plant touching side in, in the U.S. Um, I moved over from Scott's Miracle Grow, uh, where I was there for about 15 years, led strategy and M&A. Um, and, you know, as we looked at the, um, you know, Scott's obviously has their Hawthorne division, which sells input supplies into uh, the cannabis retail trade. Um, but when we looked at, you know, that input supply business is nice, but if you look at any crop-based industry, um, you know, it's not the farmers or the, you know, fertilizer suppliers, it's the brands that accrue all the margin dollars. Uh, And and so really Scott's took a look and said, Hey, we we think we want to get into the branded side. Um, There was a historic, uh, you know, conversations have been going on with uh, Riv Capital or really their predecessor Canopy Rivers uh, Mm -hmm. when they were still, you know, Canadian and, and ancillary focused. But as Riv pivoted about, you know, 15, 18 months ago and said, we want to get into the uh, the plant touching side in the U.S., they saw the same opportunity. Um, we were able to, or Scott's was able to uh, kind of uh, re-engage with them back in, in August and they uh, made $150 million um, really debt investment that allowed them to uh, acquire 42% of the business. And, and I joined the board. And then wow. once we, we kind of went out and we had 400 million in cash and went looking for, you know, what's a great opportunity in the U S what are our target geographies, New York, obviously at the top of the list, uh, given the, uh, the massive size of it, the, you know, the regulatory scheme, as well as the cultural influence that New York's going to have, not to mention the presence of wall street. And, you know, if you can be, uh, the, the, the uh, brand of choice for uh, Wall Street bankers on the weekend that could probably help you uh, during the week uh, as they're thinking about what's a good investment. Um, And and so that's, you know, New York was just a great opportunity. And, um, you know, as we purchased Attain and and we started to move over from being a venture capital focused, uh, it made sense for me to move over from Scott's to to take the rein as uh, we, we needed to build out operations and you know, a, a true consumer product, uh, as we call it, a cannabis goods uh, company. What fantastic! Tell a little bit about your portfolio. I think it's it's very cool. One of the coolest in the industry. You know, can can you break it down a little bit? It's it's very extensive, right? Yeah. So so the the way I think there's currently nine total investments in the portfolio, and really. You know, that's where the historic RIV was was looking to take minority investments into ancillary, uh, you know, um, businesses and or direct investment into Canadian. Um, and the way we think about the portfolio now is like, what are some things that could help us with respect to what we're trying to do in the U.S. in terms of, um, 
you know, plant touching and actually being a cannabis operator. So companies like Zcal and Biolumic that that help with genetics as well as um, kind of uh, the lighting um, frequencies. Uh, and then there's there's other assets that probably aren't super um uh, you know, interesting for us to, to keep and, and, and we'll see if we can't monetize those. And then there's other things like Headset, which is a, a, a great uh, company that we think just is going to have long term value for us. Uh, and, and so uh, we don't spend a lot of time managing or, or uh, working on building out that portfolio. For the most part, that's that's really what we call our legacy portfolio. And, and we're laser focused in you know, building out New York as big as it can be, as well as, you know, looking at other uh, M&A opportunities, uh, either with respect to other states uh, that are going to be attractive in the long term, as well as we're super focused on, uh, you know, in, in kind of one of our core theses is we've got New York as a platform. It's going to be, you know, interesting kind of limited license state. We want to bring brands from states that have been highly competitive over the years and look for brands that were winning. Mainly those are on the West Coast and take those brands that if they can win there in a, in a super competitive environment, bringing them to New York is going to be uh, should be a home run. And it's super attractive to these West Coast operators, because if they have a top brand in New York and then they have a top sorry, a top brand in California and then they come to New York and have a top brand that starts going a long way to having a, a national cannabis brand. You heard it here first. Mark Sims is going to acquire cookies. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. That was a joke. Um, awesome. So, you know, kind of looking at your portfolio as it stands, obviously those investments were not made from, uh, or not obviously, I guess I, I look for you to clarify here for me. Those investments were not made with the option to acquire later under an MSO, under a plant touching asset, under kind of uh, a wrap up of brands. Yeah, I mean, th there there are some of the folks that, uh, you know, we talked to that having uh, a plant touching business on their cap table, given that they're more ancillary focused, isn't, you know, super, super attractive for them. And we're, we're having some of those conversations. But for the most part, that was really kind of RIV, Canopy Rivers, really, which was, you know, RIV Capital was originally the, the venture capital arm of Canopy Growth. Uh, and, and so that was really a, a different focus and strategy that they were pursuing. Uh, so again, we're going to continue to to manage that portfolio, but we're not actively adding to it, and we're looking to monetize it either in the short term or the long term. Um, you know, just just as as we see fit. Yeah, I love that. Really, really quick follow up there, and then I'll let Javi jump in. Is Canopy still involved in any way with your current undergoings? No. The uh, again prior to. Um, you know, kind of switching uh, focus, uh, the Canopy Rivers team has Riv or slash uh, Riv Capital. They took steps, uh, I think, 15 months ago uh, to unwind all of the uh, connections to uh, Canopy Growth uh, that, you know, through a series of transactions left them with uh, about $200 million worth of uh, cash on the balance sheet. Um, and then, again, Scotts was able to add another 150. Uh, and so that's kind of the, 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 the war chest that we use to uh, go into New York. And, and we now sit in an enviable position of having about 160 million U.S. on our balance sheet to do New York right, as well as to potentially look at some other opportunities. 
I mean, this might seem like an obvious, almost rhetorical question, but why so bullish on New York? Like, what is your thesis? I would, I would love it if you could break it down a little bit in terms yeah, of what so in New York. I mean, because a lot of people are competing for that market as well, right? So it's obvious, but at the same time, it's a, it's a tough cookie. Yeah, no, exactly. So, you know, I kind of mentioned it. So it's a, it's a large addressable market, right? So, so currently the, the medical, you could say the, you know, versus a Florida, there's only about 120,000 medical patients signed up in New York. I think Florida has like 700,000, right? So it's, it's kind of underperformed from a medical market. Uh, but when you look at the opportunity for the uh, adult use market, there's 20 million, um, you know, residents in New York. It obviously, you know, a lot of people commute into New York from uh, neighboring states, but you also get about, I think it's over 200 million visitors per year. Um, and I think more than half of those visit New York City, right? So you think about, um, you know, just the sheer number of people that are that are potential customers, right? So, so that's kind of one, one piece we like, uh, big market. And it's going to have the opportunity for growth. I think, you know, there's different stats out there, but they say by, you know, 2026, some people have it pegged at 3 billion in, in you know, kind of legal market up to 6 billion. Right. And, and I think, um, you know, how well the, the legal operators can steal share from the unlicensed operators. I think that will be uh, uh, th that's kind of a headwind that, that we all need to navigate. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the, um, uh, the regulatory uh, approach. So currently, you know, the, the license we bought is one of 10 vertical licenses that's uh, available in New York. Um, what the um, regulators have stated is that they're going to issue kind of other licenses, but by tiers, right? So they're having a vertical license will be a, a differentiator and will allow us to, you know, participate in genetics, cultivation, distribution, and, and retail. Uh, but the fact that there are going to be, you know, in, I think they've announced between two and 300 social equity licenses that they're going to issue. Uh, those are retailers that we think can be our customers from the wholesale market. So we really like the wholesale opportunity. Again, our, our approach is more, we're not trying to be a, a retailer, uh, which a lot of MSOs go that route. We're trying to be a branded consumer products company. Um, and when you think about any mature consumer products industry, it's how many shelves are your products on uh, and how much share of the shelf do you have? Not necessarily how many storefronts do you have? And I get why a lot of people have to do that, run that approach in some states. But again, we like the wholesale aspect of having all these independent retailers that if we have the brands that they're going to, that are going to help drive traffic for them, then they're going to want to stock our brands. Um, and, and so we like the regulatory scheme. And then I think the last piece is just, again, the, the outsized cultural influence that, New York has on the rest of the world, really, uh, in terms of trends, in terms of brands, uh, things of that nature. So I think, uh, you know, that that is a huge opportunity. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. even like I said, the the Wall Street angle, I think, is is one that a lot of people haven't talked about. But again, if you're, um, you know, publicly traded like like Riv is, albeit on the CSA CSE today. Uh, but as uh, hopefully we get safe banking and we get some some more normalization from the feds. Um, you know, th this is uh, being a, a brand that people know and a company that people know on Wall Street, I think can be can be super helpful. Yeah. Mark, uh, we have a few more minutes here. So I want to talk a little bit about the process, right? We've talked about where Riv is coming from, obviously a, a very financially apt background. 
Uh, you understand M&A, uh, especially coming from Hawthorne. Uh, so let's chat about the process of becoming uh, that branded product and hitting that many shelves, uh, specifically M&A. So I think for all of those who don't know, Riv acquired Etain, a uh, very well-respected and and um, and well-known uh, operator in New York. I think four dispensaries there, um, you know, 10 licenses, if I'm not mistaken there, Mark. But you know, how do you grow from there? What What's next after Etain, yeah. and how does Etain affect what's next? Well, again, in, in New York, kind of the plan is, um, so as you said, there, there's four, they currently have four um, medical dispensaries, um, and the um, and then they have a small cultivation facility in, in kind of upstate New York. Uh, so we're currently in the process of expanding that cultivation facility. That's both to support the medical expansion of the medical business, but also, um, you know, ramping up for adult use. And then we are actually going to be, uh, we're kind of in, in late stage discussions to build out a uh, cultivation facility, uh, a, what we call our flagship cultivation facility, where we're really going to be able to ramp square footage for uh, adult use. Um, and, and so I, I look forward to hopefully in the next couple of months to, to be able to announce what we're doing there. Um, but I think that'll be... Um, you know, that'll go a long way. And then we're also, um, like I said, we're in discussions with bringing some, some West coast brands, uh, that we can layer on top of that infrastructure that we're building out, um, to really kind of properly maximize the opportunity in New York. And that's where we're, we're highly focused there. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of opportunity, um, in, in kind of neighboring States, uh, where we've got other operators that, uh, you know, we think building a bigger armada um, can help us weather the storm, both kind of macroeconomic as well as uh, uncertainty in, in the federal legalization front. Um, and, and so, again, I, you know, nothing to announce uh, here in the near future, but but definitely having a lot of interesting discussions. Awesome. What, what Bobby, the- any last questions, yeah. man? Yeah, one of the things I really love about Etain, it's it's one of the few companies in the cannabis space, big, big companies that is really owned and operated by women. I'm curious as to w- whether that impacted your decision at all. Or was it pure, purely like operational? And you just looked at the company and were like, this is a great company. It doesn't matter who runs it, right? Or or did it did it weigh in at all? You know, did, did you go like, hey, we want to support a woman-owned business? Yeah. So, so one of the things that, you know, when I talk about these West coast brands, like one of the things we, we really like that they bring is authenticity, right? So a lot of them, they've been, they've been in the, the industry for a decade or longer, right? So they bring a lot of legacy and authenticity. Um, and that was also something that we, we liked about the attain brand, albeit it was, it was pretty new. Um, but the fact that the, the Peckham's the Amy Peckham, the mom and Hillary and Keeley kind of built this from the ground up. Uh, we really liked uh, kind of what the Attain brand stood for uh, and how they were approaching uh, New York. Uh, and then we were also excited the fact that uh, they wanted to stay in, right? So they weren't just looking to cash out. They were looking yep. to, uh, you know, marry up with a partner that had, you know, more capital that could expand and do a lot of the things that they would would have liked to done if they, they had the capital. Um, and even the flagship expansion, you know, that that's a something that they had contemplated and were working with uh, some people that they had been uh, talking to for years. Um, and so Amy's going to join our board and then uh, Hillary and Keeley uh, are going to have positions in uh, helping to build out, continue to build out the Etain brand uh, from a marketing perspective. So 
uh, that that was one of the things that was was attractive for us is that they wanted to they wanted to roll with. I love that. Love that. Mark Sims, CEO of Riv Capital, OTC, CNPOF, uh, announced a great trajectory upward via your earnings yesterday. Very nice work there, my friend. Um, but thank you so much for being on. Any last words for the audience? Uh, no, thank you. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. Awesome. We will have you back. We want an update soon on which West Coast brands you are working with, and we need you to break it right here on Benzinga. That's all I'm saying, Mark. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. All right. Thank you again, Mark. Appreciate you being here. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Javi. That was great, man. That was our first time having Riv on on the show. They're, they were like the they, they were a bit uh, elusive for a while because uh, just whatever reason. I mean, I don't think there was a good reason. We just didn't have him on, but I'm so glad we got back on. on. That is on yeah. us. Oh, for sure. Fortunately, we have Come a great on. producer, Aaron Thomas, who has our backs always and gets us some of the best. PAT. All of the best. He's a yeah. PAT. Awesome. So y'all in the chat, we got Lord Byron looking at TRSSF Terrasen. They are definitely a tier one MSO, but you honestly don't expect any of them to perform well until there's federal legalization and it's removed from schedule one entirely. Javier, you and I have not talked about this, the possible love uh, and marriage between safe banking and hope. What do you think about that news? If you're not familiar, everybody, safe banking is looking for passage uh, the last chance really in September outside of garbage time uh, after the midterm. But Chuck Schumer says there may be a marriage with hope. I mean, honestly, at this point, I'm a little bit disenchanted with all of them. Like, honestly, <laughs> I, I don't know which one will pass. I can't uh, imagine why. As, as we, like, every law that tries to reach a little bit further has less chances of passing. Uh, but and also we're hearing experts saying, "Hey, this is the year where this passes. This is a month where but this passes." Right. Here's what I'll say about Senator Schumer: is he the consistency has been there in terms of what he has wanted, whether you agree, whether you disagree, about passage of federal marijuana legislation, and he's wanted social equity reform from the very beginning. And while most people thought he would want more than what the Hope Act offers, he it sounds like he's open to including it that including safe in hope as a vehicle. So that that's got to be at least interesting and perk your ears up. Now history is not on our side. <laughs> so we'll just, we'll just pray and hope a little bit. Fingers crossed. Come on. We're, do, we're doing some of the work here, just uh, trying to educate people and, and really, you know, just show that cannabis is not only great as a plant and as medicine, but also a great opportunity for the economy, for social equity, for gender inclusion, for restorative justice. So let's just get it done. Call your Amen. representatives. Tell them that you want them to, to pursue this. Pressure them. Especially if you live in Kentucky. Oh, Kentuckians, do, do me right here. Let's get Montrez off the hook because that's crazy. Javier, we're going to move on to an interview here in a bit. We did this at MJ Unpacked a few weeks back discussing talent acquisition uh, and where that's headed right now against uh, normal industries against regulated industries and how cannabis reflects that or doesn't reflect that. Honestly, it was a super interesting conversation with the founder and CEO of Easy Hire, Jacob Carlson. But before we get to that, Javi, any last words for this Tuesday before we come back on Thursday with more news and more amazing interviews? Not really. I'm really looking forward to this interview. Uh, check us out at zinga.com slash cannabis and bzcannabis.com. We're coming to Chicago September 13 and 14th for another edition of the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference.
That's going to be incredible, y'all. You do not want to miss that. We have some incredible speaker announcements coming shortly of executives and stocks you know and love or potentially hate, but you definitely know them. Uh, All right. Javier, my friend, always a pleasure. We will see you soon. Aaron Thomas, let's roll it, man. All right, welcome back. Benzinga Cannabis Insiders at MJ Unpacked. Awesome, awesome event. We're meeting really cool people like Jacob Carlson, co-founder and CEO of Easy Hire Cannabis. Bet you can't guess what they do. Uh, Tell us about it, though, man. Uh, So we are actually the hiring platform for the cannabis industry. Um, We go by the tagline of the Indeed for Weed. All right, I like it. So you built a platform, like a technology for connecting businesses and lower, like staffing. Um, I'm assuming not executive recruiting. Yeah, usually like your COO or you know VP of sales candidates aren't coming to our platform to create a profile. So that's probably the big thing that deters those higher level. I think you could use the software if you wanted to. Fair enough. Um, for us, it's really what we've seen is the biggest value. And we did staffing and recruiting for about four and a half, five years in the cannabis space. Everything from your temp staffing to your direct placement higher level. Um, but we saw the biggest issue was really at the top of the funnel mm-hmm. where you're sourcing candidates that are actually skilled and have background and are able to work in those entry level to mid-level positions that have cannabis experience, but also are able to kind of like do the other side of the job as well, which is not just being passionate about cannabis or wanting to work in cannabis. They actually have the skills that align with that, that passion, which is a lot of what the HR and hiring managers that we worked with were struggling with. They weren't having problems finding their GM. They were pro- having problems finding the bud tender who was going to show up at Sunday at 10 o'clock for a month straight. Yeah, let, let's chase that down a little bit because you know I think if we just look at our economy at scale right now and not just cannabis, yep. it's hard to find talent. You know, a lot of companies are having trouble finding good employees. Uh, is that a trend that is replicating in cannabis? And do you see that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something that we see in cannabis. The big one we see in cannabis is basically the entry level role where somebody has this kind of mirage of what they think working in cannabis is, is like, right? They're going to hang out. They're going to listen to Grateful Dead. They're going to trim some buds. They're going to you know, be able to kind of hang out sort of thing. I always am like, hey, are they going to show up at Sunday at 10 o'clock for their retail shift, right? right? That's what these jobs are much more like. So there's been this first wave of people who have got into cannabis making 15, 16 bucks an hour and say to themselves, I'm still passionate about cannabis, but I make a lot more money as a waiter. So they've come into the industry with a passion thinking like, hey, you know, I want to work in the industry, something that I'm passionate about, but I might, might, might not be skilled enough to make enough money in the industry to make a living. So that's part of kind of what we're starting to see a little bit as we're in those more mature markets. Are you seeing companies react to that? Are you seeing them offer higher wages? Are you seeing them offer different types of benefits to keep their talent? Yeah, it's funny. Some of the conversations and one of the questions I always ask even here at the show is, hey, is it important that somebody that you hired an entry-level position has cannabis experience? And one of the things I think that we've seen a lot of is that actually people are more open to working with somebody who doesn't have cannabis experience, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, if you worked at Home Goods for 10 years and you were a retail worker, 
right? We could teach you what a vape pen is, right? right. We could teach you what these other parts of the process is, just like if you would work at, you know, another industry at Home Depot. We've seen that happen in retail positions before. Mm -hmm. And what we're starting to see is those more mature retail workers coming into the cannabis industry and learning about the vape pen, learning about the distillate, learning about the different things, just as they would if they went from Bed Bath & Beyond to Home Depot, right? You'd have to know the differences between what you were selling and what you were working with. And that's what we're seeing kind of as a trend, which is exciting for us, right? It's not the people that might be the most heady with inside of the cannabis <laughs> industry, yeah. right? But if you're a business owner, I go back to that showing up on Sunday at 10 o'clock, that's what is more important than you know the, you know, the legacy market and how we got into all these sorts of different products. So that's a little bit what we're seeing. It sounds of. to me like you're seeing the normalization of cannabis a little bit uh, in the sense of it started with that base of people that were very passionate about the plant that started these companies, legacy growers, uh, maybe from illicit to licit. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of different ways those that base entered this. But now we're seeing other entrants into the market that maybe aren't consumers even. Uh, and that's OK. Right. <laughs> you know, but yeah. it seems like our, our companies does it, are they, are they leaning more toward one or the other? Sounds like they're leaning more toward the normalization side. They are too. And, and one of the, the other industry, like kind of subsets of cannabis that I think that this really relates to is cannabis technology, right? Like which mm -hmm. we're in, right? Um, you know, I was a, worked in the sales department, sales manager at HubSpot for about seven years, right? And the idea of like an AE that works at a SaaS platform that is also going to look at a SaaS platform inside of cannabis, they may not consume cannabis, right? right. But they know how to work a six-week sales price, at, you know, six-week sale process, you know, at a $1,000 average sales price sort of thing. That's more of what they're looking for mm -hmm. as far as understanding, like, hey, I can describe the differences between Indica and Sativa, right? If you're selling cannabis software, it's similar to selling other software is kind of the way I look at it, too. Let's follow that train to kind of finish up here is the software aspect, the platform that you're creating, um, you know, how... How big do you see this going? What's next for you all in terms of the industry? Yeah, I think it's been it's been nice for us to kind of settle in where we fit in as a business, right? We're not going to do everything for everybody, right? We want to be a platform where people that are hiring can post jobs mm -hmm. and interview candidates from, right? It's very simple, simple slowed down for us. Um, right now, we're in a race to grow our database, right? So we want to have the greatest database inside of the cannabis industry. Smart. Um, and then kind of work it from there. We're working with about 20, 25 customers right now in our beta set, and it's going particularly well, everything from small shops to big shops, and, you know, excited to roll out to 14 states this year, so. Nice, man. That's great. Awesome. Jacob Carlson, CEO, co-founder of Easy Hire Cannabis. Uh, we'll keep this conversation going as the economy continues to sputter. Unfortunately, we'll all cry together. It's fine. All right. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, Elliot.
Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Home. They say it's where the heart is. They also say it's wherever you make it. They don't say it's where you unload your stuff, get tired halfway through unpacking, use some boxes as furniture, realize your oven mitts in a box that doubles as a nightstand, don't want to buy a new nightstand, and use a towel as an oven mitt instead. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on renters and car insurance. Easier than grabbing a piping hot pan with a towel that's a bit too thin and trying to quickly get it to the counter. Ooh, hot, 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 hot. Just when I finish my to-do list... We need more chips, Mom! Honey, I need a lot of chicken. Something else comes up. That's when I use Instacart to help get everything we need from BJ's Wholesale Club. Delivered right to our door in as fast as one hour. And then, finally, I can relax. Mom! I think we're out of toilet paper! Time for another BJ's order. Download the Instacart app or visit instacart.com to get $10 off your first order using the code BJ's Wholesale10. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $35. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Verizon. Get a Verizon Business Unlimited plan from the network businesses rely on. Hey, Monica, with 5G Ultra Wideband in many more cities, you get up to 10 times the speed at no extra cost. Hello, downloads in no time. Plus, unlimited premium data and hotspot data to keep the signal flowing and your teams going. Come in or book an appointment with a Verizon business expert to find the right plan for your team. 5G Ultra Wideband available in over 1,700 cities with Business Unlimited Pro 2.0 smartphone plan. Speed comparison is to median Verizon 4G LTE speeds. Download speeds may vary depending upon network and coverage conditions and content optimization for 5G Ultra Wideband.